Today's scripture reading comes from Acts chapter 1, verses 6 through 9. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. Good morning. Welcome. It's good to have everyone joining us this morning. We're going to continue our series with our biblical portraits, uh, a focus on uh, manhood and womanhood throughout the Bible. This morning we're looking at uh, Barnabas, a character that some of us may be familiar with, others of us may not be as familiar with. Uh, We're going to take a a dive into the life of Barnabas and, and what he was about and what his life looked like and how it affected uh, what we know today as um, throughout the Bible. So before we get going, we're going to have several different verses, several different scriptures we're looking at today. So we're going to put those down below um, just for you guys to reference. And that way you can, you can have those. You can bookmark them. You can, you can jot them on a piece of paper. Um, or you can even pause the video and, and search them and then replay it. So before we get going on Barnabas, I want you to stop and think for a minute about somebody in your life who encourages you. Uh, That might be a family member. It might be a friend. Uh, I hope that it's it's someone in your church, uh, in your church family. But but stop for a minute and really think about that person. Think about what they are like. So how do they encourage you? Uh, What types of things do they encourage you in? Uh, What do they encourage you to do or how to act? Uh, what 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 does their life look like? Um, if they're encouraging you, they're probably someone you look up to. Uh, what is their ministry? Who are they as people? Um, do they make mistakes or have they made mistakes? And, and what is their mission? Uh, and if it's the, the, the words min, ministry and mission are words we use a lot in the church, but um, people can have um, not only a ministry in their church or a mission in their church, but they should have a ministry and a mission um, that, expend, that extends from their church to the rest of their lives, too. So, so think about that person that encourages you, and, and we're going to dive in and look at someone today who was known in the New Testament to the first century church as an encourager. So we're going to look at Barnabas. Let's bow for a quick word of prayer as we open God's Word. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning. Thank you that we can open your Word and learn about what it has for us and for our lives. God, we just we thank you for that opportunity, and we thank you for this. We, we pray uh, for all those that are watching this video and all those that um, have, have helped prepare it and, and taken a hand in it, that it will be honoring and glorifying to you, and that you will be edified and lifted up uh, through our worship this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So first of all, Barnabas. We're going we're gonna to look at four M's of Barnabas. Uh, in his life. The first M is going to be Barnabas the man. Then we're going to look at Barnabas and his ministry. We're going to then transfer to Barnabas and his mistakes. And then lastly, we're going to look at Barnabas and his mission. So first off, let's start with Barnabas the man. Who is Barnabas? So for that, we're going to uh, look at Acts chapter 4, verses 36 and 37 is where we're going to start. 
So Acts 4, 36 and 37, if you want to flip there. Here's what the Word of God says. Thus Joseph, who is also called by the apostles Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, a Levite, a native of Cyprus, sold a field that belonged to him and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. So in this fourth chapter of the book of Acts, which Acts details the first century church and how it developed and then the gospel spread throughout the world. So um, just to hear in the fourth chapter is the first time we're really introduced to Barnabas. So what does this tell us about Barnabas? Well, first of all, it tells us he was originally known as Joseph. That was his, his birth name is Joseph. Um, he is a Levite. Now, what exactly does a Levite mean? We've heard the term. We've probably read the term. A Levite is a descendant from the priestly line of Levites, which is the lineage of Aaron and Moses. So Aaron and Moses, anything that came from their lineage is known as a Levite. And that was the priestly line. So all of the priests at that time in Jewish culture and Jewish history, all the priests would have had to come from that Levite line. So Joseph, also known as Barnabas, was from that Levite line. Thirdly, here we see um, he was from Cyprus. So Cyprus is an island. It's actually the third largest island in the, Mered in the Mediterranean. So now from this scripture, uh, real quick, we can, we can also draw out, scripture indicates that he would have been a rich and influential man. You see that in verse 37, where he sold a field. So he owned property. Um, to own property at this time was a big deal. So he had to have had wealth, had to have been um, an influential person. He sold that field. And so at this time, if you, if you rewind just a couple verses in verse 32, the first century church, they all had things in common. So everyone would sell things and they would basically share it all together as a church family. And so that's what he's doing here in verse 37 is he sells this field. He comes and he gives the proceeds and lays them at the apostles' feet. So it shows us that he was not only a rich and influential man, but he was also generous. So um, he was a generous man. And then the, the one thing that really sticks out to us is that he was called Barnabas. Barnabas was his, uh, basically his nickname. It was kind of his adopted name. And that was what the apostles called him, the Jewish Christians, the Christians that were in Jerusalem, um, when, I, when I refer to uh, the apostles with a little a. That's what they called him was Barnabas. And it, it means son of encouragement. So he was an encourager. And we're going to look more into that in the, in the, the coming few minutes. Barnabas encouraged other people, um, and that's what he is known as in the New Testament, especially specifically in the book of Acts. He is known as Barnabas, the son of encouragement. So that's Barnabas, the man. Now, are you still thinking about that person that encourages you or that person that, that you look to for encouragement? Right. So we've looked at Barnabas now, and that's what we see as Barnabas, the man, the encourager. Now we're going to shift to Barnabas and his ministry. So where was his ministry, and then to whom was his ministry? So before we get too far into his specific ministry, we want to first look at his ministry partner. So we're going to flip to Acts 9, so just a couple pages over. Acts 9, we're going to look at verses 26 through 30. Acts 9, verse 26 through 30. And when he had come to Jerusalem, he attempted to join the disciples. Now here we're talking actually about Saul. So 
Keep that in mind. We're talking about Saul. That's, he is the he in this story. So when he came to Jerusalem, he attempted to join the disciples, and they were afraid of him, for they did not believe that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared to them on the, how on the road he had seen the Lord who spoke to him and how at Damascus he had preached boldly in the name of Jesus. So he went in and out among them at Jerusalem, preaching boldly in the name of the Lord. And he spoke and disputed against the Hellenists. But they were seeking to kill him. And when the brothers learned this, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus. So we're looking at this character in Acts who we're calling Saul. Most of us know him as Paul. Okay? And, and that transition happens later on in the New Testament where his name is changed from Saul to Paul. So, so we see that this person, uh, Saul, who we now refer to as Paul in this story, and this is where he is, um, he is introduced to us for these purposes for Barnabas today. So, so here, Barnabas jumps in. Now, we're going to, without going back, and you can go back and read on your own, but Saul was persecuting Christians. That was what Saul was known as. He was known as a persecutor. So he would hunt Christians down and, and basically try to have them killed. And, and had had Stephen killed a few chapters earlier. But in the beginning of chapter 9, if you go back and read, Saul has this dramatic conversion. He's on the road to Damascus, and a bright light flashes. The Lord Jesus appears to Saul and says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Saul says, who, you know, who are you, Lord? And, and he, has this, he has this interaction, this meeting with Jesus, where Saul now stops persecuting Christians. Instead, he, he does a complete 180. He repents of his sin and then follows Jesus. And so on his way to Damascus, Saul was probably going to Damascus to try to kill some Christians. Let's, I mean, that, let's call it is what it is. Saul, that's what he was going to do. That was, his, that was his mission at that time. But he has this radical conversion, and now he's following and proclaiming Jesus Christ. And so you can understand when we see as Saul goes to Jerusalem now after preaching in Damascus, these, these Jerusalem, the Christians there, they're a little weary of Saul. They're saying, wait a minute, wait a minute. You know, just recently, this guy, he's, he's trying to hunt us down. He's trying to have us killed. And now you're going to let him into our inner circle? They thought he, it was a ploy just to get in to try to kill them. And, and Barnabas steps up and says, no, 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 guys. And you see it here. Um, when Barnabas, Barnabas took him, verse 27, and brought him to the apostles and declared to them, he told them about this experience Saul had on the road to Damascus. So Barnabas, he vouches for Saul. He acts here as a reconciler and as a bridge builder to, these, to this newly converted Saul and to the apostles at Jerusalem. And he says, guys, we're on the same team. Let's work together here. Saul's one of us now. Saul's repented and he's following Jesus now. Barnabas, he, he builds that bridge between the, the gap that was there between those two groups of people. Saul and the Christians. And so Barnabas vouches for Saul with the, with the apostles and the disciples there. So they respected Barnabas. Barnabas had influence with them. They respected his opinion. They respected his word. They honored his word. So the foundation is here for Barnabas and Saul to have this ministry relationship. They're going to come together here soon and minister together. But this is where Barnabas and Saul's foundation is laid for their, for their friendship and for their ministry. So, so that's where they first meet. And then Saul is sent to Tarsus. 
Um, and then we're going to fast forward a little bit and go to Acts 11. So Acts 11, we're going to be at verse 19. And this is now um, the church in Antioch is where we're looking. So chapter 11, verses 19 through 26. Now those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except Jews. But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists also, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number who believed turned to the Lord. The report of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. I'm going to stop right there, right before verse 23. So when, when persecution happened, Stephen was killed, and that happened a few chapters back in Acts. The Jews in Jerusalem spread. So they kind of dispersed to different areas around Jerusalem. And that's what this is talking about. Some of those Christians, they were spread out, but they were still proclaiming Jesus Christ. They were still preaching the gospel. And so they're preaching the gospel, and it says in verse 21, the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number who believed turned to the Lord. So now we've got people who are joining their numbers. They're repenting. They're turning to the Lord, and they're proclaiming Jesus Christ. So this, this what started out as an informal church is now growing. And so back in Jerusalem is where we're at in verse 22. The church in Jerusalem, they're wondering if this is true. Is this really happening? You know, let's send someone to check it out. And so it tells us in the end of verse 22, they send Barnabas to Antioch. Why did they send Barnabas? Well, we're going to find that out. So verse 23, let's, let's carry on. When he came and saw the grace of God, he was glad. And he exhorted them all to remain faithful in the Lord with steadfast purpose. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. And a great many people were added to the Lord. And we're going to stop right there at verse 24. So Barnabas is sent because they trust him. They send Barnabas from Jerusalem to Antioch, and he's supposed to report back, hey, Barnabas, we trust you. We're going to send you. And, and it was a pretty good travel from Jerusalem going up to Antioch. And he's supposed to report back. So when Barnabas gets there, he saw in verse 23, he encouraged the people. Now, he didn't just encourage them and say, hey, you're doing good. He encouraged them in the Lord to stay steadfast. So Barnabas, this is where we see who Barnabas is. He's the encourager. Verse 24 talks to the character of Barnabas, which we're going we're gonna to focus on here in just a short while. But verse 25, we're going to continue on. So Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. For a whole year they met with the church and taught a great many people. And in Antioch the disciples were first called Christians. So verse 25 and 26 here. So Barnabas is there. He sees what's going on. There's growth happening. People are praising the Lord. People are coming to Jesus. And Barnabas says, I need help. I'm going to go find Saul. So now, now let me remind you, it's been at least six, maybe nine years since they had last seen each other back in Jerusalem when Barnabas vouched for Saul and, and his conversion. And so Barnabas leaves. And remember, Saul went to Tarsus. So Barnabas leaves Antioch and travels to Tarsus to find Saul. He finds him. He brings him back to Antioch. And there they stay together. They minister together as a, as a group in a, creating that church in Antioch for a, an entire year. Now we're going to keep moving on. We're going to pick up in Acts 13. We're going to look at verses 1 through 3. Now there... 
were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, Lucius of Cyrene, Menin, a lifelong friend of Herod, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart from me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. So here in the first three verses of Acts chapter 13, we see this again. So they had been in Antioch for one year, and then they visited Jerusalem to check back in, and now they're back at Antioch a year later. So they're there. They've got a group with them now. It's not just Barnabas and Saul, but they've got some other, they've got some other helpers, some other preachers and teachers. And they've got their team together. Verse 2 tells us they were abiding in the Spirit, so they were listening to what the Holy Spirit was telling them. Verse 3 says, now they're sent out. And this is where the, the Scripture clearly says that the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called them. So the Holy Spirit has called these two for a specific work. And what, what's happening here is that they are going out on what is known as Paul's first missionary journey. Now, looking back in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus tells the disciples that the advancement of the gospel is going to happen. So, and I'm going to flip back and read that real quick. Acts 1, 8, this is what it says to us. And this is Jesus talking before he ascends into heaven. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witness in Jerusalem, in all Judea, and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Now, when you look at a map of that area, Jerusalem is the central city. And then you've got Jerusalem here, Judea, and then Samaria, and then the ends of the earth. So in today's world, that's going to be Jerusalem is the, the town or city you live in. And Judea is the state you live in. And Samaria is the country you live in. So for us, it would be Hope in Columbus or Bartholomew County is our Jerusalem. And then our Judea is the state of Indiana. Our Samaria is the United States. And then to the ends of the earth is everywhere else. So that's what Jesus is telling them. Look, you're going to gradually expand in these circles and you're going to go out. And so what's happening here is we go back at Acts 13, verses 1, 2, and 3. Barnabas and Saul are starting this first missionary journey which is kickstarting the ends of the earth part of Jesus' call and Jesus' commission. So they're now going out. They're, they're outside of Jerusalem. They're outside of Judea. They're outside of Samaria. And they're going to the ends of the earth. So this is kickstarting Jesus' plan for the spread of the gospel. And if you don't get goosebumps from that, I, I don't know what will do it for you. But that's, that, that draws the hair up on my neck. That's exciting. That's awesome. So, so this is a glimpse at the ministry of Barnabas and Barnabas' ministry partner in Saul, who we also know and will know later as, as Paul. Now, we're going to look at the mistakes of Barnabas. Um, something that, that I don't want us to, to, to stumble on here is that these men, their historical accounts of these individuals, they're not perfect. They're going to stumble. They're going to have mistakes. They're going to fall just like we are. Just like we will. So, so the mistakes of Barnabas, where did he stumble? So even the good guys stumble, and, and we see Barnabas stumbling in Galatians 2, verses 11 through 13. I'm going to quickly read that. And this is, so now this is uh, Paul writing 
uh, to the church of Galatia and Paul opposing Peter and other of the followers there. But when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles. But when they came and drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party, and the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him, so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. There's a lot going on here. And, and there's a lot going on here, and, and, and it's kind of a mess at this point of just some confusion. People were separating inside the church. And so that's what, that's what Paul is going and calling out when he's talking to, to Peter and then to Barnabas too. So we've, we've got these two groups in the church and, and they're separating from one another, the Jews and the Gentiles, and, and that doesn't work, right? If you've ever been in a church, you can't have two groups that separate and stay away from each other. And that's what's going on here. Peter, they're stumbling, right? And it happens to all of us. It, it's, nobody is perfect other than the Lord Jesus Christ, right? And that's okay. That's okay. But, but we, have to, we have to correct from those mistakes. And that's what, what Paul comes and says in, in a brotherly, loving way. Look, you can't do this, right? And so that's, that's one of the things where Barnabas, he stumbled because he separated himself. He stayed away from those Gentiles or those other believers, those newly converted believers. So, so Paul corrected him. And, and then we're going to look at another time in Acts 15, um, verses 36 through 41. And this is a, a time when it's, it's now... So we transitioned from Barnabas and Saul, right? Barnabas vouched for Saul. Barnabas kind of helped, helped Saul get established, help him um, gain uh, some confidence with the other, uh, other members of the church. And, and now we transition in Acts 15. It's now Paul and Barnabas, right? So, so now the, the, the pupils become the master, right? So, so now Paul, Paul is the leader in the church. And Paul is the one that's taking, really taking the gospel to the ends of the earth. And so Paul and Barnabas, they're talking about where to go on their next trip. And they come to this disagreement. They come to, the, to these blows. And, and so this could have been a major stumbling block for both brothers, right? Because this could have been something, and, and we see it happen all the time today, right? Where you come to blows with someone in a church or two groups come to blows and, and they just leave the church or they stop their ministry. Now, these brothers didn't let this happen. So, right, it could have been a huge stumbling block, but they didn't let that happen. But, but they came to a disagreement, which actually turns into a blessing. And, and it was over who to take on this, on this journey, who to take on this trip. So Barnabas wanted to take John Mark. John Mark was actually Barnabas' cousin. And uh, so before Barnabas and Paul had taken John Mark on a trip, and John Mark actually deserted them halfway through the trip. And so, so Paul now says, look, I, I don't want to take him because he deserted us last time. I don't know that I can trust him, okay? And so, so they come to blows on this, and, and they actually separate. So these two guys that have been ministering together and traveling together, now in Acts 15, and I'll let you read it yourself, but in Acts 15, verses 36 through 41, they come to these blows, and, and Paul didn't want to take John Mark because he previously deserted them. And so instead, Paul takes Silas and goes his way. Barnabas takes John Mark and then goes another way. And so, but they, they did reconcile, even though they had this disagreement. And, and actually, 2 Timothy 4, 11 shows that Paul does eventually reconcile with Mark, saying, and referring to Mark, saying that he is very useful to me in my ministry. And that, that's the words from Paul in his writings. But even though they disagreed, they didn't let that blow up their ministry, right? So, so think about that today. In our mistakes, if we disagree with someone, can we disagree and still love that person? And still encourage that person? 
and still minister? I mean, do we? I, sometimes, yes. I hope more than other times, but how do we disagree today and still love one another? Or, or how do we just even disagree? So what is it that we disagree on? Particularly in churches today, um, there's something, and I actually want to read, um, read a little excerpt from this book called Conscience, uh, Conscience by Andrew Nassali and J.D. Crowley. It talks about the things that we disagree on, whether they're primary issues, secondary issues, or tertiary issues, right? First, second, or third. Um, where the issues fall. And so I want to read this little excerpt here and, and then make a few comments on it before we move on. But first level issues are most central and essential to Christianity. You can't deny these teachings and still be a Christian in any meaningful sense. For example, there's one God in three persons. Jesus is fully God, fully human. Jesus sacrificially died for sinners. He rose. We're justified by grace through faith alone in Jesus and Jesus is coming back. So, so a first level issue is that, that Jesus died for our sins. Okay. Now it talks about second level issues. Second level issues create reasonable boundaries between Christians, such as different denominations in local churches. So that's where you see there are many local churches of different denominations. And so the, the disagreements there are second level issues, right? They're not first level. First level is what makes us all Christians. Second level is what puts us in different denominations. Um, for example, how we view baptism. Um, do we view a believer's baptism or an infant baptism? Do we, do we believe in a submersive baptism or a sprinkling baptism, right? Those are secondary issues. We all believe in baptism, but how do we baptize? So that's second level issues, and that, that's where you get your different denominations of churches. Third level issues are disputable matters, also called indifference or matters of conscience. They might involve how you interpret a particular passage, um, for example, uh, you know, it might be, you know, how you do church. What's the order of worship? Um, what's the music you sing? You know, what, what are, you know, who does the, who does the prayer, right? These are, these are third level issues or tertiary issues that they, in the grand scheme of things, they aren't necessarily important to the underlying issue. And that's our faith in Jesus Christ. But a lot of times when we disagree we disagree on, on third-level issues as if they were first-level issues. And that's not what these brothers do here. So this is a great biblical example of how to disagree, right? They didn't disagree on what they were ministering. They didn't disagree on, on the gospel message. They disagreed on, hey, I want to take this guy and I want to take that guy. You know, okay, they disagreed. They took different people. They went in different ways. And now here's the blessing in all of that is they were able to impact probably twice as many people, all right? Because they're, they're taking two strong ministry individuals and they're going different ways with other people and they're training them to minister. So, so how do we disagree on things and, and to what extent do we disagree on things? Are they, are they first level, second level, or sometimes do we take third level items and make them first level? So, so this is a great biblical example that Barnabas and, and Paul give us on how to disagree and what things are important to disagree on, and how we shouldn't let those, those become stumbling blocks to completely wipe us out of our ministry. So now lastly, our fourth M, we've covered the man, we've covered the ministry, we've covered his mistakes, and we're going to look at the mission. So what is his calling? What is the calling of Barnabas the encourager? How's his character revealed through his mission? So the character of Barnabas, I want to quickly recap. Acts 4, verse 36, tells us he's nicknamed the son of encouragement. 
So Barnabas was an encourager. That was, his, that was one of his callings, one of his strengths, was he was an encourager. Acts 4.37, the next verse says, He was generous. He sold the field, he laid the money at the apostles' feet. So he was rich, but he was also generous with what God blessed him with. Acts 9, we talked about, he vouched for Saul. He was respected and trusted, so he gained the trust of those Christians, those people in power. He gained their trust because of his character. And then he vouched for Saul because he saw the character of Saul, that he was a good man now, after he repented and found Jesus Christ. He stood up for others. And we see this, he stood up for Saul. He stood up for John Mark and said, look, John Mark, he might have messed up and deserted us last time, but let's give him another shot. Right? So he stood up for people. Acts eleven twenty four. 24. I want to highlight that. And, and actually, I, want, I do want to reread that real quick. So Acts eleven twenty four 24 is, is some of the best words about the character of Barnabas. And this is what the Word of God says in Acts verse 24. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. Barnabas was full of the Holy Spirit. He was full of faith. And that is what really, truly counts to his character. That's what made him the man he was. That's what made him the encourager that he trusted God, he followed Jesus Christ, he believed in Jesus Christ and had that faith. And that's why he was a man of, of, of strong faith and then ultimately an encourager. So no matter where he was, he stayed true to who he was. And who he was was a follower of Jesus Christ. He was full of the Holy Spirit. Jesus Christ lived in his heart. He followed his calling. So everything Barnabas did was focused on elevating the glory of God. He was committed to putting God at the forefront of his life. As a man, he focused on encouraging others in the faith. During his ministry, he focused on God by proclaiming and spreading the gospel. Even through his mistakes, he came out the other side refocused on God. And his life's mission was all about focusing on and bringing glory to God. The biblical portrait of Barnabas, as we zoom out and take a, a wide view of Barnabas's life, and we've covered so much of it today at, at a small level, but Barnabas is a great example and reminder for us to be encouragers to one another in the faith, right? We should encourage people in the faith to be a reconciler, a bridge builder, to stand up for one another, to be generous, to be respected, to be loving, but most importantly, to do all these things through a faith in Jesus Christ. Now, I hope you're still thinking about, and I hope maybe your mind has shifted a little bit, who that person is that encourages you. Who's that person in your church that you look to for encouragement? And I want to challenge you today to be that person. Be a follower of Jesus Christ and be an encourager the way Barnabas was. Stand up for people, love on people, and, and follow Jesus Christ committed to the Holy Spirit, committed in faith, the way Barnabas did. This is a great portrait, a great character for us to take an, take an example from and to help strengthen our calling and our following for our lives through Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you today for the, for the story of this man, Barnabas, a, a man that, that was just so hungry to follow you and to bring glory to you. God, we thank you for this portrait of Barnabas's life. And, and we thank you not just for the man and the ministry and the mistakes and the mission, 
but we, we just thank you for all of it and, and how it's applicable to us and we can pull pieces of it and we can apply those to our lives. And, and most importantly, that, that through all of those things, we stay committed to bringing glory to Jesus Christ, to you, God, the, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We just thank you for all these things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.